they canceled that part because everyone has the flu. Well, I want to say welcome to City Chapel. I see a lot of new faces, visitors. My name is Shane. I'm one of the elders here. It's good to see you this morning. I've been here for almost a week. And I don't know if you remember, husbands, that if you're like fighting with your wives and you don't make that right, the Lord won't hear your prayers. Your prayers will be hindered. There's kind of a very similar principle that if you've been here for almost a week and you haven't actually seen your mom, your preaching might be hindered. So that's why I had to go down there and hug my mom. Hi, mom. It's good to see you. Sorry I haven't seen you yet. It's been busy. And then I couldn't stop because I have two spiritual sons right beside her that I love. And, but then I had to stop or else I just keep hugging everybody. So. But some of you are sick, so I'm not going to hug you. All you're going to get is fist bumps. I'm going to quickly assess you, and it's going to be like, good to see you. Yeah, well, let me invite you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Thank you. Was that rich? Oh, always on point. That's my king. Uh, I want to give an update, though, as you're turning there. Um, Graham and Danielle, Luke and Nora have been awesome. What a blessing to have them move from Alberta to Penticton with us to be part of this church plant. Uh, <laughs> that moment where you're like, you broke your foot and you're moving in two days? Lord, what are you doing? But he's been paid and had so much time to journey with me over these last several months. That's been really awesome. But of course, you only get a certain percentage with you know, workers' compensation and stuff. They're staying back home. They send their love to you. And I hope that you are keeping them in their prayers and expressing love to them. Um, man, there's just the first fruits, I guess, of us going there. It's been amazing. Well, hopefully you found First Peter. And if you haven't, and you have a pew Bible, that's about 1,015 on that page. And this letter is to the churches of Asia Minor from their loving shepherd, the Apostle Peter. And we'll be focusing this morning on verses 18 through to 21. I've kind of changed it. I've reduced the amount of scripture I'm going to cover because Dale Callahan has blessed me with the privilege of preaching to you next Sunday too. So because I get back to back, I can move in there and do a few different things and not be restricted. So you're stuck with me for two Lord's Days. And we have... uh, we started our community group in Penticton, or we might call it a home church, and we've gone through our, surf, our first life group cycle. And in doing this, we as a life group are following you guys through First Peter, and it's been really good. And so our first event that we had as a, as a community was a potluck, and we had seven, I'll say souls, men, women, children. Seven souls show up. It was encouraging. It was uh, Graham, Danielle, Nikki, myself, the children, and a young man named Nelson, who is awesome and single. So if there's any young women who want to move to the Penticton area, we have met a lovely young man named Nelson. This isn't the thing about my daughter. He's too old for my daughter. But if there's any other young women who, you know, I'm just saying... 
And then we had our first men's night. There was uh, five who showed up, and that was encouraging. Let me see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. And it was an awesome evening. It was very, it was very um, culturally diverse. I don't know if you saw any pictures on Facebook from Nikki, but on my side here, this side, is my brand new friend named Arsenio, who's a Filipino. We love him. We love his family. Love Rhea, his wife and his children, Gio and Sophia. And then on the other side of me is Robert, who's Chinese. And then across the table is Graham and another guy named Blake. So I'm like in this Asian sandwich. I'm kind of like the meat between these two pieces of Asian bread. And I'm telling them about First Peter, and we're talking, kind of sharing our vision and what we're about. Then we had our first community in the community. So the little group that we have going out and doing community life together in the community of Penticton. We went up to Summerland. I know it sounds awesome, but it was like cold, wet, freezing breeze off the lake cutting through you land that evening. And we went and did all the festivities and the little things. And to give you an idea, the, uh, the children, the four children that we had with us, we spent an hour in Summerland's museum and they wanted to be in there because it was that cold. And then when we were about to leave, they forgot how cold it was and actually wanted to go back to the bouncy castles. We're like, no, we got to move on. Then we had 10 out to that. Uh, here's the best part, I think. Like our first Bible study, jumping into First Peter, kind of sharing the vision, the direction, what we're about as a community, as a plant why we do expository preaching, so kind of explaining to them how we're going to transition from a home group to a, you know, a home church into a real Sunday gathering. And that was awesome. We had 12 out that evening. And it was very, very encouraging to talk with them about First Peter. We have been providing them so we kind of have that same rhythm that my life group with Logan had. You know, every week there's something different, and we kind of go through this cycle. And we have been uh, providing them the, the sermon questions that Matt gives us and encouraging them. We have this WhatsApp group going, I'm talking too much just about what's happening. Do you want an update? No? It's too late, you're getting an update. <laughs> we have this WhatsApp group, and we're using the questions, and it's just conversation and community going on. And it's, it's just beautiful, it's fantastic, it's simple. And so right now, our life group, our, our home church, if you want to call it that, we have a name. It's the Wine Press. There's about 16 adults and seven children who are hovering around. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. We are thankful. We are so thankful. I had a, we have a, a timeline, you know, a launch date. And Nikki's like, I think you might need to revisit that because of the things that are happening here. Well, may the Lord build his church and bless our labors as those who are sent and those who are the senders. So let's pick up with me in uh, verse 18. Hear now the reading of God's word. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. 
For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we, we come to you because you are the God who is found faithful regarding your covenants, regarding your plan of redemption. We thank you for the grace and the love that you have demonstrated towards us that while yet we were sinners, you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have inspired this word, that you have inspired the Apostle Peter, that you breezed out these words on pages before us. And we come asking that you might also be the one who illuminates our understanding, applying the truth to our hearts, to our lives, to our families, to our community, and to our extended community within this city. We pray that you might be the one who we would give glory to for strengthening us, in all of our circumstances, the ones that cause us great pain and great suffering and the ones that cause us great sorrow, that we might be able to live for your glory and to honor you, Jesus, that through our lives, your name would be made great, that your glory would be revealed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, isn't this a fun text to spend some time in this morning? How many of you are in that place right now where you're just tired of being a slave to your master? And he's, he's you know, you have a good one, but even the good one beats you sometimes. You have a bad one, and though, even though you do good, he's constantly beating you. You're like, how can I serve you this morning, master? And he's like, be quiet. That's not really our context, is it? But as we jump into this text, I want to remind you that we actually have brothers and sisters scattered throughout the nations, that this is still a very first application relevant word to them as they suffer for the gospel. And so if you get anything from the time that we spend in this text, I pray that if you're like, man, life's easy here in North America. I got all kinds of first world problems that you would be stirred to remember those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who are suffering in, in Muslim nations, in nations that are persecuting them because they live out the gospel and they proclaim it. Because it's real and it's happening. And all we really can take from this text this morning is these kind of cool second applications because none, none of you put up your hand when I talked about masters and slaves. But let's be fair here. How many of you masters in this room are beating your slaves too much? Okay. No one put their hand up. <laughs> that would have been awkward. But we look at this text and we have to think, how does this, how does this apply to us? What, what do we do with a text like this regarding secondary application? But I want to challenge you and say that there's a primary application here too. 
And not just for our brothers and sisters who are suffering across the nations, but for us and what it looks like to grow in Christ and to be ready for whatever suffering and persecution and pain comes into our life. You know, I'd like to take this text and just spin it and apply it to parents, masters, children, slaves. And I could do a whole bunch of, you know, secondary application for you guys. Maybe we'll even get there a little bit. Or parents can go home and break it down to the children and be like, listen, I'm master, you're slave. Right? And kids are like, be quiet, Pastor Shane. Because remember, it also talked about here about beating the slaves. Yeah, oh, fun text. So today we're diving in, we're, we're addressing masters, slaves in relationship to the gospel and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Think of those words. What kind of feelings comes to you when, when, when I say master? What kind, of, what kind of feelings come to you when I say words to you like, yes, master? What kind of feelings come to you, words, like feelings tied to the word slave? Slave, come here, slave. What kind of feelings come to you when I say slave? Come here. Slaves who suffer at the hand of their master. Would you like me to change those words? Would we, you know, we have different translations. How many of your translations have the word servant there? How many of your translations have the word slave? How many translations have the word bond slave? How many of your translations have the word volunteers that are in captivity? Does it change if we soften the word? Do you want me to replace the word with boss, employer, employee, worker? But beginning in our passage this morning and continuing all the way to the end of this letter, we are going to find Peter really addressing and dialing in what it means to suffer for the sake of Christ. And what it looks like to suffer and be in all kinds of pressure as it, as it comes down and it bears upon us what it looks like to have fruit that glorifies the Lord as we experience trial. Because we love Jesus. And we love the gospel. And we love the book. And those three things hopefully cause us to live our lives a different way than the culture as disciples of Jesus. Amen? All kinds of pressures are placed upon us to just tone down. To back off. Lighten up. Man, why do you carry such a big Bible around? Why are you always addressing these issues of of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come? Can't you just dial that back a bit? Do you find yourself reflecting on the persecution you've experienced in the last month, the last week? Or do you find yourself reflecting on the fact, you know what? I haven't really experienced any persecution. 
there's this balance, there's this struggle between what does it look like to, to be salt and light in, in such a way that the ungodly are attracted to you and those who profess to be disciples are concerned about you. There's this, there's this balance of what it looks like to, to not be of the world, but in the world. To move yourself around the culture in such a way that you're possibly persecuted. But not because you're holding up signs that says, Jesus hates homos. God wants to kill faggots. Not because you're holding up signs like that, but because you're in a place of living out the gospel and addressing how the gospel has affected you. How you've experienced the deliverance of the the penalty of sin in your life, that burden. And just living that out in such a way that others are encouraged. That we're sent to be salt and light within a culture that often is hostile towards us. And sometimes it's not such obvious pressure, but there's, there's subtle pressures. What's it like to be a father who professes to be a disciple of Christ and you know you didn't get that job because of a certain worldview you have? What's it like to be in a place where the economic pressure towards you as a follower of Christ is evident? What's it like to be to be just, I just want to be a baker. I just want to bake cakes. And you're challenged by a worldview that's, that challenges everything that you believe about the institute of marriage and you make a decision to testify against that and it's your own business. It's your prerogative. But then there's pressure placed on you, legal, legal pressure, ec- economic pressure, right? Because you refuse to make a wedding cake for certain clients. Those consequences that come if we don't embrace or we don't become advocates for the culture in which we live in. Even us in North America with our first world problems, brothers and sisters, we're being forced to dial down a few clicks. We're being forced. And, 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 and you see it in the body of Christ. You see it in different types of churches, different types of congregations. Some congregations are, are like, oh yeah, we'll just turn that right down to zero. We don't want to offend you. Right? Other, other congregations are, are turning it up all the way to past 10 and walking out with those signs again. Where, where do we find that sweet spot? Many of us are forced forced to dial down our expression of what it means to be a disciple of Christ and what it means to share the gospel. This letter is designed in part to be a handbook instructing us as disciples regarding suffering and and how to suffer well and to live out the gospel and proclaim the good news in hostile territory as what? Sojourners, elect exiles, going where? Home, home, home to the Father, home to the Son, home to the Holy Spirit. Then we're done. Then the suffering ends. So Peter now begins 
calling servants slaves to be subject to their masters, both to the good and the gentle, and also to the unjust. In fact, he calls them to do good even if they're beaten for it. If you're beaten for some transgression, if you're beaten for doing something that your master has told you not to do, if you're beaten for doing exactly the thing that your master said, when I go, don't do this, and you do it, and he comes home, and he beats you, this is where it gets really easy to transition into parenting, but we have to dial that down because of the culture that we live in. You do the math. You fill in the blanks. You're in a place where you can't cry out to the Lord. Lord, my master is beating me. Help me, Lord. It's like, wait. The master said do this. This is your duty. This is your responsibility. When I leave, do these things and don't do this stuff. And, and maybe you don't do any of it. And he comes back and he beats you. And you find yourself crying out, Lord, my master is beating me. Help me, Lord. Help me in the, these circumstances. Help me in this suffering. You know, the Lord Jesus himself told a few parables about beatings that were deserved regarding masters and servants. And quite often in the parable, he himself is the ultimate master I'll leave you his homework. You can go look in the scriptures. You can try to find that stuff. It's there. He has things to say about wicked servants that are punished. And, and, and Peter has some things here to say about wicked servants that are punished. But the Lord Jesus, as a good master, he, he laid down some, some beatings. Reflect on what he did in the temple when he came to his father's house. I'm just going to take these materials over here. I'm going to make a whip. This is Jesus. It's not hippie Jesus with the lamb, but this is Jesus. Right? And I'm going to walk into my father's house, the temple, where you know money exchangers and all kinds of things that don't honor his father are being done. And servants, slaves start getting cleared out. He addressed wicked servants. But, if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. He's saying, now that you're ultimately a disciple, a bond slave to Jesus, you will likely find yourself with a hard road ahead. You'll find yourself experiencing persecution, suffering from earthly masters. Just because you have come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've turned to him in faith and repentance. You've acknowledged him as your true master. Your other earthly masters are still also your masters. But you should still find yourself, even under the authority of earthly masters, crying out for grace, crying out for grace and mercy, finding in yourself that place, that work, from the Holy Spirit, where you are resolved to do good whenever and wherever you can, even if you're finding yourself in the place of saying, I know what I just did was good and pleasing to my master. And he came home intoxicated. 
he came home angry. He got beat up where he was, so he came home, and he just beated me as a punching bag, and I know that I am a good slave. Even when you find yourself in that place of suffering, Peter is saying, be resolved to do good. Don't go around to the back and light your master's hay on fire as much as your flesh is telling you, I want to go light my master's hay on fire. I want him to feel the pain that I feel. If you do this, he says, with all respect, you submit, you bless them, you obey them. With all respect, not just out of respect for your your earthly master, that's important, but another area of respect is what Peter is addressing. A respect that points to a reverence and a fear before God. A respect that causes you to reflect on the place that I have a master who is more gracious and more purposeful than this earthly master. I have, a, I have a good master who disciplines me in love and corrects me. And I'm happy to be a disciple of Christ and a bond slave. Even though I'm still in this place of slavery while I live out my life here on earth. And we pulled those principles from Jonathan's section last week. And I'll just remind you because it builds from verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Have a reverence for God. The fear of the Lord, reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Honor the emperor. The emperor thinks he's a god. The emperor charges too much tax. The emperor beats us if we don't bow down to him. How do I do these things, Lord Jesus? Acknowledging that you are my ultimate master. It's all of that. And for those of you who are slaves and disciples of Christ, we have this, this wisdom and instruction for you that we see in this letter. First of all, is it fair for me to just, if you're a city chapel, and this is your home, and you love serving here, you should get comfortable with being called a slave, a servant, more than a volunteer. We're, we're not volunteers. We have, we have a master. We have, we have a lord. I was playing with Sola because I like to play with Sola, and I, you know, I was driving her. I don't know where I was driving her. Somewhere, she's been gracious enough to lend us her vehicle. Thank you, Boo. I was driving to work, was I? I don't know. Somewhere, I think work because it was the context. It was fitting. I said, you know, out of the blue, I'm hoping that she's reading where we're going. All right. Hope you guys are reading where we're going when it comes to the, you know, where we left off. Picking up in verse 18. And so I just said to her kind of flippantly, how's being a slave at um, the concession? How's being a slave for, was it Perkies? Purdies? Something with a P. Percy's. Thank you. Don't tell Jonathan I said this. I said, how's being a slave for Percy's? She's like, it's good. I'm like, how's your master to you? I'm not going to tell you her answer. I'm just going to leave that there. But I started playing with my daughter regarding the context of the sermon I'm going to be preaching this morning. 
There's this place where we need to have that understanding that, that we are slaves to Christ. We are bond slaves. We are his servants. And he has given us duties and responsibilities as a loving master. And if we are found unfaithful regarding those things, he will discipline us in love. And if we're found faithful in those things, he will reward us in love. He wants us to live not just for the approval of an earthly master, but for the approval of our heavenly father, our God and father, for the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has now become the Lord of our conscience. As we find ourselves daily trying to work out and live the gospel and take every thought captive to the obedience of our earthly master? No, 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 God forbid, to the obedience of Christ, our ultimate master. And in there we pray for wisdom, how we can live our lives and bless our earthly masters and be good servants. You've heard that throughout the past times in history, where non-believing masters, non-believing bosses. There used to be a time when they didn't believe in Christianity, but they loved it when you worked for them. They loved it when you were part of their household. Because of that Protestant work ethic, because of the conviction we had regarding serving our earthly master, but ultimately serving our heavenly master. And I went on to ask Sola, How, how's your heavenly master treating you. She's like, very good. I'm like, good. So because of that, you can put up with your earthly master? Yes. Good. Good. I might be paraphrasing that a bit. Don't quote me. Zach? Paul tells us in Philippians, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ... Think of that. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of being the church who has been sent on mission, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. That's not just walking around telling pagans that they're going to hell if they don't turn to Jesus in faith and repentance. And they're like, yeah, come here. <laughs> Tell me more about Jesus. Not going and looking for abuse but knowing that as you live out the gospel, as you apply it to yourself and you try to be salt in life and you try to be gracious and show people the truth of who God is and what he has done concerning our sin and our need for a savior, as you live that out, you're going to come across hostility as a slave of Christ. There's no way about it. And, and if you're not experiencing that, your dial might be turned down all the way to zero. And it might need to be turned up. And that's one of the reasons why we gather and come together is to encourage each other and to examine like, hey, Luke, where's your dial? He's like, my dial's right here, on point. And I'm like, nice. Where's your dial? Oh, it's like a one or two. It's like, ooh, man, I'm going to be praying for you because I'm spiritual. And uh, I'm more mature than you, so I'm going to be praying for you. Is that what we do? No. No, we graciously come along and we encourage one another, we admonish one another, we, we edify one another to, to help one another move from a place of immaturity to maturity. To help each other grow in our understanding of this book and what we've been called to. 
Paul and Peter have the same doctrine when it comes to suffering. And both of their convictions and their doctrine and their teaching have been birthed out of experience. And, and that experience has been used by the Holy Spirit to teach them things. How many of you, through your suffering, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, have learned and grown in areas of your life that you never would have grown if there wasn't an area of suffering attached to it. He goes on and says, for this is a gracious thing. If you do good, if you're a good servant, and you suffer by a wicked master, and you have reverence, you have, you have in your mind that your existence before the living God is more important than your earthly existence before your earthly master. That one is more important. This is a gracious thing. It's a gracious thing when we are mindful of God. Here's, here's the most important question. So two things. The first thing, if you leave here, that I want you to, at minimum, walk away with, Pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in other parts, in other nations. We have family, we have friends, they're suffering. This verse is real to them. The second thing that I want you to walk away with and wrestle is how do you learn to suffer, suffer well for Jesus? Being obedient when obedience is so costly. How, how do you learn that? When it hurts every part of your being. Physical beatings. Emotional beatings. Spiritual beatings. Every part of your existence, your essence, is hammered on and, and pressed in against and persecuted. And the suffering is in the depths of your core. Really, I, don't even, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to see that, people. How many of you have been to the place where, I've been in this place where it's like, I'm not going to work for that guy again. I'm done. And your wife's kind of like, well, you know, we have babies? Hard. Hard. I'll just be honest. I used to work for Braden's dad. I love Braden's dad's Murray. He is a guy named AJ, who's the foreman. I worked under him. I quit. I left. I'm like, I'm 45 years old. I don't have to do this. Goodbye, AJ. You know what hit me? You know what hurt me? So my master came to me and said, I know he's hard, but why did you do that? Why did you just leave me? That was Bray's dad. That rocked me. That hit me to my core. I'm like, man, I let him get to me in such a way that I didn't honor my earthly master. I just walked off the job site. I'm 45. I'm telling you that because we are on a journey of still learning how to suffer. AJ's biggest thing was just trying to persecute you as a Christian. Just attacking your doctrine, attacking your character in any way he could. And I didn't compromise anything. I answered all of his questions. I tied him up in nice little bows and sent it back to him. And you just ignore it. After a while, like, you can't just move on to the next thing. Anyways, moving on. I have a point here. 
Noah went and worked and completed a whole season working under AJ. I was a proud daddy. I was in a moment of saying, well done, son. You outdid me in the context of that situation. We're all growing in this area and encouraging each other of what it looks like to suffer well under earthly masters. And I want you to wrestle with this question, how do we do it? I have some things that I hope would encourage you and direct you on how to do it. Good doctrine. Good doctrine is important. Good doctrine mixed with rich emotional experiences given to you by the Holy Spirit. That, I, I was rocked by the Holy Spirit. When I went to get my final check for Murray, and as a friend and a brother and a former master, he spoke to me and said, here's your last check. Why'd you do that to me? I was not expecting that lesson that day. It just, good doctrine, Holy Spirit, a master who's my brother, who I would say is a good master, just slayed me. I'm like, forgive me. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Right? In my pride, in my ego, in my 45-year-old, I got this. I deserve to be able to just walk off this job because I don't like the experiences that I have with this non-Christian. Emotional experience that is saturated with the Godhead, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You begin to grasp the idea that you are always under the loving gaze in view of the Trinity, watching you conduct yourself. It's a powerful thing. That's being mindful of God, that there's more happening here right now than AJ getting under my skin in these circumstances. There's more happening right now than something in your life getting under your skin and under your circumstances. And can you just, can you just you know, learn, as I'm learning, to, to stop and be like, oh, Father, you're watching me right now. How do you want me to respond? Okay, this is like my flesh wants to respond like this, but I know you're. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of your gaze. I'm aware of your presence, and and I want to. I want to respond in a way that would glorify you, that would please you. You begin to grasp the idea that you're always under your Father's loving gaze. And as I said, now we know this text is really addressing slaves individuals for whatever reason who they don't have their freedoms and maybe they be can be granted their freedom maybe not but just because they become free in Christ in the heavenly realm doesn't mean that they're free from their master in the earthly realm just because they become free from the the kingdom of darkness it doesn't mean that they're completely free from the kingdom of darkness under their master in their earthly realm Yes, they've been, they've been spiritually redeemed. They've been purchased. They've been bought back with a price. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you're now mine. You're my possession. Hope no one's offended if Jesus says, I purchased you. You were slaves to Satan. And now you're my slaves onto righteousness. He owned you. I redeemed you with my blood. You are now my slave. Like, wait, Jesus, I'm nobody's slave. <laughs> Jesus is like, we'll work on that. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased. And we find ourselves in this situation. And as we wrestle with this and we try to think of a secondary application is this hitting home for you? Are you finding secondary applications in your life, in your circumstances, in your situations that can apply for us today? Do any of us feel like a slave of something that we want to be set free from? Anyone have a master they'd love to get away from? Anyone have a, a little song in the back of their mind right now telling someone, a boss, a master about a job that they can take and place it in a very special place? Have you ever had those days where that song is like, why does that song just keep coming to my head today? These are real applications and the easiest thing in the world is letting our flesh begin to hate those in authority over you. And so just take a moment and to think of all the levels in your life that a system, a person, a government, a boss has authority over you. Can you think of a few? Do you like seeing red lights flash behind you, red and blue lights flashing behind you? I hate it. I hate it. It happens. It happens less. Now the Shaughnessy has given me a radar detector. But it's amazing. Let me tell you why it's amazing. Because I am obeying the law. I'm doing my thing. I'm driving down Penticton. And that thing is chirping like crazy. And so think of this. Having the mind and the awareness of God, this radar detector is chirping at me and I'm like listen I'm doing the speed limit I'm fine stop chirping at me but it has made me so aware as I'm driving it's like oh there's a police car there's a police car look at that one tucked over there right we need to find ourselves in a place where we have that same kind of radar going off in our mind do you know that's really what anger is what does it say is let me okay is anger sin no where we can say yes and feel that awkward, you know, that's embarrassing moment. No. In our anger, can we sin? Yes. Are we commanded, in your anger, do not sin? So that, that anger you feel, your flesh, your blood pressure going up, that's a God-given thing. In it, do not sin. In it, begin to wrestle with, how should I be responding to this spiritually? I know I want to respond to this in my flesh, but how should I respond to this in the spirit? Because we have an enemy that is hoping that we respond in our flesh. And we have a father, a daddy, a papa who loves us and hopes that we respond in the spirit. That he would look upon us and say, that's my son, that's my daughter. 
Yeah. It's easy to speak ill of masters, bosses, to other colleagues, co-workers in the workplace, to drag your feet in the tasks entrusted to you, to do the minimal, to even find yourself in a place where, where you're undermining the very work that you're supposed to be doing. Every chance you get just doing something that you know isn't going to benefit your master, to find petty little ways to just cause division and discord in the company or the, the workplace. It's easy to get wrapped up in that mindset, to respond in the flesh, to want to pursue the flesh, to function that way, never thinking that your heavenly father, your faithful big brother, your blessed comforter, counselor and teacher, the Holy Spirit, are witnessing your responses and grieved over your decision and actions. That they might actually be possibly preparing to add spiritual discipline to you because of the situation. Well, you're sitting there praying, Lord, save me from my suffering. <laughs> and the Trinity is like, should we pull the trigger, boys? Because discipline is coming. Because they love us. And they're preparing to correct us. Let that soak in for a moment. This letter is telling us as disciples to grow in the ability to move, breathe, and live with a, a conscience before the Lord in every circumstance. I don't stand here before you as a man who has this figured out. I stand here before you as a man who has preached this sermon to myself and has the same duty to apply it to my heart, my family, my friends, my ministry, as you do before the Lord regarding every circumstance. In the suffering, his glory makes you smile. In the suffering, you feel his favor, his grace. And there's a, a living hope that just washes over you. I've had those moments where I've walked off the job site. But thank you, Lord, I've had those moments where your presence and your love and the work of the Holy Spirit is just wave after wave of grace, mercy, and peace. Are you living before the face of God? In your suffering, does your countenance reflect his light? In your trials, are you mindful of who your ultimate master is? Peter says there's really only one person's opinion that matters above all the others. And that's the Trinity. Well, three persons, one in essence. Whew, I set myself there for correction almost. Some of the elders would have came up before I did the benediction. I just want to correct what Shane said there. But we live before the face of God. We live in his presence. We live to please him. And in growing in that, we learn to serve others, even if they don't recognize how you're serving them. You'll do all you can and work at everything with all your might as unto the Lord. 
not because others expect it of you, but because you want to bring honor and glory to your God and to your Savior. None of us are doing this perfectly, but all of us are called to encourage each other and to press into it. For to this you have been called. Verse 21, Christ suffered for you. Then he says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You should follow in his steps. Do you see there's two parts there? Christ suffering on your behalf, acting in your place as your substitute, as your representative, taking on the wrath and the full justice of God. Through that work, purchasing you with his blood, giving life to you, making you his very own possession. And then it says that there's, the, there's this place where Christ becomes the model and example of the righteous sufferer. And he brings both of those together in verse 21. Now this is nice. Aren't these nice thoughts? Do you think that's your application? Do you think I'm saying to you that you should just do better at work? My boss is my master. I need to stop talking trash about him. I need to honor him as my master. Oh man, I'm the boss. I should treat my slaves better. I vow to be a better master. Lord, on you this day, I, this Sunday, I vow to you to be a better slave. That's not your homework. That's not your application. That's moralism. That's not what this is about. This isn't how we learn and grow in being a suffering servant. Your homework is to read the book of Luke and study the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit, to study the relationship between the God-man and the Holy Spirit. Your application, that's your homework, and your application is to pray and to ask for grace and mercy as you live out the gospel in times of suffering that you might grow. I want you, I hope, I, I encourage you. I, this is like Dr. Moffat saying, Shane, this is a prescription for you. It will do you well. He doesn't do it anymore. He's retired. It's difficult. I wish he'd still write me prescriptions. This is a prescription for you. It will do you well if you follow my advice, if you heed my counsel and change some of your habits and take these pills, which I forgot. And in doing that, I have a choice to obey that counsel, to acknowledge that prescription, or just not do it. You, you have a choice right now not to study Luke, not to press in. But I want you to study Luke. And as Luke, who's a theologian, tells us about the dependency and the leading of Christ and the relationship that Christ had as the Holy Spirit led him, as the Holy Spirit anointed him, as the Holy Spirit ministered to him, as the Holy Spirit directed him where to go, I want you to reflect on how the Son did the Father's will, not by, I'm just going to be a better son, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who didn't need to be regenerated, Jesus, who 
had no sin, but yet experienced temptation and trial and suffering like us, was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's your application. To pray and ask for grace and mercy as you live out the gospel in times of suffering, knowing that the only way you're going to do it in a way that is gospel holiness and not Christian morality is through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's it. They didn't turn my clock on. I could talk about what's on my page right now, or I could skip it, and I could wrap up. Show of hands. Who wants to me to talk about what's on my page right now? Show of hands. Okay. Okay, let's wrap up. Next week, we will pick up in verse 22, and we'll be wrapping up chapter 2 as we reflect on the one who has become our example in suffering for the gospel and the one who converts us to himself, who calls us his church and sends us on the mission that he modeled for us. And maybe one more assignment. Read the book of Philemon. It's short. And wrestle the story between Paul and a slave who becomes a Christian. Read it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Oh, how we cry out that you would make this a living and powerful reality in our hearts, in our congregation, and in our experiences. That you, Holy Spirit, would be welcomed and active in our justification and in our sanctification, may we find ourselves not ashamed of the gospel, knowing that it is the power of God unto salvation. That this is the gospel that saved us, and this is the gospel that is saving us. And may we find ourselves wrecked by it and reconstructed in such a way that we're a sweet aroma to you, Daddy, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.